game. So Griffin, oh, here's my question for you that I want I wanted to, I want to ask you, which is tell me what it's like to get your second vaccination shot. Uh, it's great. It's it's awesome. I think it's good. I think I I uh it's uh it's 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 um I'm like I got the tail from Avatar now. And uh yeah, That's I don't know why cool. everyone's complaining. Wait, does that mean that I'll get my vestigial tail back? Oh, I mean, maybe. Yeah. Oh, shit. I forgot you are one of the Avatar people. Okay, what are well, their names again? You're the Navi. Yeah, I was. I'm part Navi. I was born with a small amount of tail. Mm-hmm. About and about three inches of gross, fleshy tail. Three inches. It's like bone. No, it was like just skin. Just skin. OK. It was like a loose, boneless finger sticking out of my lower back. Tails don't have bones. Some tails do. Lots of tails do. Hmm. Vestigial tails don't because they're not supposed to exist. <laughs> um that's Hell the yeah. thing well, well well i'm warmed up now <laughs> all right yeah i mean i'm speaking of tales we should just probably get into it um so we got a super fun episode today welcome to the game boys a podcast that's ostensibly about video games um i'm lux i'm one of your hosts hey i'm griffin and as always we're joined by producer extraordinaire Haley. yeah on the ones and twos and we have a super rad guest uh, my former boss, the Qui-Gon Jinn to my media analysis, Obi-Wan, which I guess makes Griffin predictably the Anakin in all of this. Uh, it's Jared Bauer, ladies and gentlemen. What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks Jared. for coming back on the show. Yeah, it's so good to have you. I feel a little more like severed Darth Maul right now. Uh, is that just a symptoms, like a like a vaccine well, symptoms thing? or You get put back together, baby. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. Darth exactly. Maul. Man, spoilers for Clone Wars, but what they do with Darth Maul in that show is the coolest shit in the world. It makes me so mad that that wasn't just what the prequels were. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you haven't he, watched it. Yeah, he turns into like a, a crab, right? For a little bit. And then he becomes like a cool cyborg crime lord. Hmm. Wow. Um, it's fucking awesome. And instead, we got the freaking last Jedi. All right. Well, let's thank like Ryan Johnson. I like that. Actually, I like that movie a lot too. But yeah. I do feel like I do feel like the prequels are are better now in, in context. All in it right now. The only the only of the sequel trilogy that movie that anyone is even going to talk about in ten years is the Last Jedi. Yeah. yeah. The, the other two are designed to like make your mind blank. Like you can't remember yeah. them. There's nothing to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, the only people who will talk about them are people like me who talk about how like the Star Wars cartoons are good and then yell about how Rise of Skywalker is a is terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, um, I can't help but do it. Oh, I actually have something I really wanted to get both your takes on immediately. Did you guys see Space Jam 2 trailer this morning? No, <laughs> I, I have watched it. I did, but for some reason I couldn't get the audio to work on my phone, so I watched it silently okay so so, uh, i'm these people didn't watch the original film i'm pretty sure because i think they think the movie's ready player one yeah it's weird right because he's like going through this world instead of like a big scheme happening yeah they got like the game of thrones world there it's just like it's like a bunch of pop culture references all of a sudden in the crowd and i I don't i don't remember the crowd being an important character in the original space jam i mean it was like a cutaway joke but it was just like more yeah it was just like more looney tunes it was like more side looney tunes characters goofing around right also they made him 2d you're not supposed to be 2d yeah, it does feel like they what? missed everything that made the original fun. It's, it, 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 but he's 3D sometimes. I'm just like, what? What's going on here? Are we not going to talk about how Lola Bunny isn't hot anymore, guys? Well, I think <laughs> the trailer hides her. The trailer is like scared to even show yeah. her. Yeah. Um, Lola Bunny, it, it is like a big, weird change. It's a big, weird change that like it's weird for so many reasons. 
Um, I wonder how they're going to like shoot her in the movie. I wonder if the movie is going to be like, she's a babe or if they're just gonna treat her sort of neutrally. Um, Oh, this was, so I was referencing that this was like a talking point on Fox news that I figured you guys were aware of. Oh yeah. No, I remember they got rid of, they got rid of her big honking bazongas. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And now everyone's fucking up in arms about it. Mm -hmm. But Uh, yeah, but also it does seem unfair to it sucks because like fox news does like eventually like claim these issues but i saw a lot of women online who are not republican right-wing hacks saying that like you know taking away a woman's sexuality is like dumb yes yeah. yeah, so this is the kind of conversation that's just not worth having because we're talking about a rabbit here right <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly to again and we get too horny so moving on uh <laughs> yeah. yeah like uh any last thoughts on space jam 2 are we excited do we think that lebron can uh outact michael <laughs> um I mean, I think that's ne- the question is like, can they do they have a Bill Murray lying around? And the answer is like, no, <laughs> I forgot. Oh, my God. And it's probably going to be Josh Gad. Oh, my yeah. God. Because oh. a lot of a lot of the like human acting that's good in that movie is Bill Murray and Wayne Knight. And like, they're just not going to be there's not going to be anything analogous in the new one. I don't think But if they're just trying to have a celebrity who's enough of a celebrity to just be himself, just randomly entering the movie. Maybe they could do Keanu Reeves. That could be a possibility. Wow. I totally forgot that Bill Murray does put a lot of that movie on his back and we forget. But like he is sort of in a lot of ways like the audience surrogate because like Michael kind of rolls with the punches. But isn't Bill in the movie a little more like what's going on here? This is all very strange. Yeah. He's a little (laughs) more like freaking out. And then he has a little more of an arc than MJ kind of like. Yes. Because Michael Jordan's like just the best basketball man the whole time. That's like the story of how to be the best basketball man. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bill Murray has more of a like, well, I'm in this weird world. I got to figure it out. It's kind of happening mm-hmm. in the background of the movie because he's like not in it very much. Yeah. But he looks great in a headband and no sleeves. That's some, it's a prime Murray look. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, moving away from the, the morning news, um, we've got a film here. We're very excited. We normally have Jared on for Kingdom Hearts games, but I don't want to wait Whoa. another eight years for him to come back. And, and we thought that this would be the, the perfect uh, film to talk about we're of course talking about um godzilla versus kong is there a second part to that title um there's like an implied monster verse movie four yes mm-hmm. um and yeah uh, this this film just came out uh you know this movie uh definitely is like a movie that like would have done well in theaters but it feels like a lot of people still watched it on the streaming service and it feels like it you know was pretty successful like there's a lot of like praise for this film um and uh i wanted to get your guys's big take starting with jared like we'll get into the film but what did, how did you feel about this movie uh and uh how do you feel about just the recent godzilla and kong sort of movies that have led up to this one well gosh i don't know if man first of all i didn't know that people are liking this movie i had not read any of the reviews and to be perfectly honest um I had no patience for the plot of this movie. I have no idea what was happening in this movie. I just, have you ever been in a situation where like a guy is like, uh, or there's some sales guy who's trying to pitch you something and, you know, he's like trying to get you to like go with his pitch and like reiterate some of the things that he says about the product back to him. That's how I felt in this movie. And when I'm in that sales situation, I don't, if I don't care, I'm not going to like, you know, go along with this guy's shtick. 
And that's how I felt about this movie. All this plot, all the fucking go into the center of the earth bullshit. Like, I just, I couldn't make myself care. I felt like if I actually listened to whatever, like, bullshit, you know, arbitrary exposition that they come up with to get to the fights, I was being like a schmuck. Like, they they were getting one on me. Like, I was being uh, a fucking mark. And maybe it was just the mood I was in, but... There was at one point when I cared and then I was like, wait, what's going on? What's this? The, so wait, he's trying to get to the center of the earth. Why doesn't he just start digging? You know what? Fuck it. Wake me up when there's a fight scene is basically how I approach this movie. And I think that's the correct approach. I think you're 100 percent correct. Like the to, if you, to focus on making sense of the human narrative is to drive oneself insane. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I think even the movie <laughs> agrees with you. Like, yes, the movie is like hand waving a lot of its like exposition and plot. And like you can sort of tell that there are characters like like Kyle Chandler, for instance, who like had a plot in the movie. And then the editors were like, the editors were like, this is too much people. Like, this is too much extra bullshit. Like, he's just gone. Like, we see him in Pensacola, and then suddenly he's in Tokyo. It's just so distracting to have these big actors just stand there and do nothing. It's so funny. But, yeah, like, it does feel like 30 minutes of human scenes were cut out, and I think it's undeniably the correct choice. Um, And, Lux, what was your big takeaway from this film? Um, sort of hold like, on. Can I just add? Oh, yeah. Can I just add one thing Please. before Lux goes? Oh, yeah. I just want to say that, uh, you know, the, as soon as Mecha Godzilla was destroyed, I was just like, this film better end in fucking three minutes. And it did. Yes. So, uh, you know, like they just threw all the plot to the wind. King Kong is happy back in his little simulation again for no reason. And then the credits just roll. Mm-hmm. You know, normally I would be somebody who would be like, wow, that's such bullshit. It was totally phoned in. But for my time, I was like, thank you for phoning it in. I can go do something else now. Mm-hmm. See, I think I have like the opposite side of the same coin opinion as Jared, which is like, I loved how bullshit and hand waved so much of the plot exposition was to just keep things moving. Like, I love that there were just scenes where like a scientist shows up and is like, we're going to the center of the earth. It's hollow. There's reverse gravity there. It'll kill you. And then someone's like, well, then how do we get there? And they're like, we made a super plane moving on. Like, and I just kind of loved that because it did. It like gave you enough people shit to have like the obligatory. Here's the themes of the movie stuff happening. And then was just like racing towards monster fights. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have liked more monster fights, I think. Um, but I, I liked that it sort of just wanted to get to that shit and like show that shit off. I thought that was smart. I had a lot of fun with the monster fights. I didn't, I don't love the new Godzilla design, even though I'm a big Godzilla boy. Mm -hmm. Um, three ridges, too many ridges, that neck too thick. I love thick body on Godzilla, but I want like a distinction between the head and neck area. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. He's, he's very chud in, in this in a lot of ways. He's like. Yeah, it's not a great look. And it's been that way for, for three movies now. And I just, I'm just not in love with this design. Um, yeah, that, that was another thing. You, you say three movies. I did not do any kind of homework. And I was not really sure. So wait, is this the this is the same Skull Island Kong? And this mm-hmm. is the same Brian Cranston Godzilla, but it's not the most recent Godzilla movie. Uh, but is it the Skull Island sequel? I was very confused. Yeah, it's the sequel to sort of 
Gods if on the Godzilla and it's a sequel to Godzilla King of the Monsters and yeah, on the Kong mm-hmm. and it's a sequel to Skull Island. So there was just a but there, yeah. but there was a newer Japanese Godzilla somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. one was just about being depressing. That one's really uh, good. Was good. Okay. Um but a very different vibe there. But yeah, like they've been sort of like working on this monster universe, and it felt like the original Godzilla solo film was pretty weak. Um some people liked Kong Skull Island. I I didn't really like that like half the characters had nothing to do it was just weird like tom hiddleston and people were just standing around in that movie um and then they had godzilla king of monsters which feels like shares the most dna with this film and it feels like godzilla king of monsters really like set up sort of what the vibe of the universe was going to be and, and this film really kind of like bounces directly off king of monsters and i think this is like probably the most like just successful and like fun version of this franchise i've I, i've seen yet uh, i think that like so many times in monster movies you get cloverfield-esque snippets of fights between monsters but in this in this movie like the battles are long you see all of it and it's like charting like sort of a who's winning who's losing in a way that like a lot of hollywood blockbusters seem like afraid to like actually write an action scene yeah um it also but, yeah. learns from king of the monsters in a real way because king of the monsters is really about like it really wants you to care about like Kyle Chandler's relationship with Millie Bobby Brown and their mom and is her mom and like all mm-hmm. this like interpersonal family drama stuff. And this movie, no time for that shit. Exactly. And like, it makes it a much more fun movie than King of the Monsters because King of the Monsters is for me was exactly what Jared was describing for this movie, which is like snooze until Ghidorah shows up and they fight and like snooze. Now Rodan's here and they fight snooze. Now Mothra's like whatever. Mm-hmm. And King of Monsters flirts with this because the relationships of King of Monsters are uh outrageous and like very bare but like this new movie like completely tosses the humans to the background and puts kong as the focus and i think it's like i'm sort of it's just refreshing and because so many blockbusters like force you to like have some sort of like intellectual uh care for for these characters when really everyone is here for the big monkey and the big lizard and and in a movie that doesn't force you to have to spend any intellectual energy outside of that is just acknowledging that giving you what you came for and not forcing you to do homework that you don't really care about. Uh, And that's why I I love the film. But then like outside of that, I was so just like this film just worked for me because in every scene, it's just like the perfect action movie where Kong is put into a shit ass scenario that he has to get out of like people i think got really focused on like well kong isn't as strong as godzilla that's the whole point and why this film works because like kong is clearly the protagonist and in every scene the stakes and odds are just so against him he gets screwed in every scene every scene i'm like they are treating kong very unfairly right now and i think that just as a core action like chart for a film where it's just a series of scenes where kong gets his fucking ass kicked but he survives through his own just indomitable will and being Kong. Like it was like just the perfect action movie because of that. Yeah, I'm glad to agree. Now, Jared, here's a question I think we should all answer before we get into this, which is going into this movie, were you Team Kong or Team Godzilla? Um, It's a good question. Uh, I think I was Team Kong. and, And, you know, before going into the movie, I don't know if I really had much of an opinion, but, you know, especially with the opening of the movie where they have Kong taking a shower and being very emotive, 
you know, they definitely make you uh, identify with him initially. And I think that to the movie's credit, that definitely worked on me. Um, my question is, I imagine, well, I know definitely, uh, well, probably neither of you did, but you guys didn't see it in the theater, did you? No, I, uh, yeah, I rented one out. <laughs> yeah. No, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the middle of this pandemic, yeah, he's uh, got rent, rent theater money laying around. Yeah. Maybe it's just the pandemic. But I, when I was watching this movie, I was like, there's no reason to ever watch this movie outside of a theater. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess just because I miss theaters so much. And totally. I mean, I would have loved to see it in a theater. Yeah. I was just watching it on a screen, like a small screen that just, you know, like it didn't even seem as grandiose as what I knew I was watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this movie did, I think, trigger my first. It's been like 13 months since the pandemic started. And I had my first like spontaneous emotional breakdown because I was thinking about watching this movie in the theater while I was walking back from a Walmart where I bought cigarettes. And I had to like sit down for like 10 minutes and like process the idea that I might get to go to a movie theater again one day. And it was very mm-hmm. weird. It was provoked entirely by thinking about how much better this movie would be in a theater. Sonic 2, baby. That's what I'm waiting for. Um, So like like Lux, I, I, I know that you were team Godzilla uh, in, oh, in this yeah. film. And, and, and I and I think that um, team Godzilla had a little bit of a meltdown during this movie um, because they were expecting these characters to be sort of equally characterized where Godzilla and like also they were expecting sort of Kong versus Godzilla to be decided by strength. And yes, I think it's very clear that Godzilla like is stronger and more overpowered, but the film also makes it very clear that Kong won our hearts. Uh, Yeah. I actually think, I mean, maybe other Godzilla, Godzilla stands like other members of the God squad, um, like didn't like this, but I thought that this is exactly the right way to handle it. Like, because the movie makes it clear Kong lives because Godzilla allows it, which is the way of the, which is just the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but makes you care about Kong and makes you invest in Kong. Like Jared said, is also really good, good, like humanizing, emotionalizing of Kong. Like you said, characterizes Kong throughout all these like kind of wrestling match angles um, that like keep putting Kong in bad positions. And I think that's the dynamic that makes the most sense and is the most fun for this movie. Like possible is that Godzilla is like this radical destructive force that could definitely destroy Kong can destroy most anything. And Kong is much closer to human. Now, one big win for Godzilla over Kong is that in the plot of this movie, Kong ends up sort of a corporate stooge and Godzilla is like a a sort of a radical eco-terrorist. That's so true. Which to me is a big win for Godzilla. Um, Mm -hmm. But especially yeah, I mean, in the context yeah. of a movie that steals the plot from Final Fantasy VII. Yeah, I I, compl- I completely agree. Now you're making me wish I paid attention. <laughs> yeah. So this movie has a very light plot, so it will be easy to move through it. So let's just start going through it. And then, you know, uh, we'll kind of stop me, Jared, if when you have an observation or something you remembered. Uh, <laughs> or, or if you don't remember anything, that's OK, too. You know, um, so, you know. This movie opens with Kong and Kong is just chilling. It seems like he's on his island and then boom, Kong has been Truman showed. And I'm just like, how could they do that to Kong? (laughs) Yeah, it's devastating. It's so sad. Yeah, I thought that was a pretty cool opening scene. Yeah. Yeah. But but, I mean, I I hate to jump to the end here, but I mean, (laughs) at at the end, he's just like cool with it now, right? Like that's the whole thing. No, he's in Hollow Earth now at the end. 
They moved. Oh, okay. I thought he was back in the simulation. No, they no, moved the station back to the Hollow Earth, mm-hmm. and that's what's so meaningful about the end. Guys, I, I, I hate, to, I hate to be such a horrible guest, but I was like brain dead during this movie. It's okay. We want your real organic experience of like what. This is as organic as it come. I did zero prep. This is just straight up. I watched this fucking thing, and now I'm ready to talk and about it. Fucking <laughs> incredible. Well, it'll be awesome because it's like you're watching the movie again. <laughs> just grunt, moan. Like, you don't even have to, like, create words. Just, you know. I, I appreciate that. I think that's the kind of uh, criticism that this movie's built for. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is. Um, but so, yeah, so they're in this Truman Show thing. I'm thinking like, that's very sad. Um, there's like a, an, a, this this young girl who can communicate with Kong. And then they have this like really amazing moment that kind of blew my mind where Kong does sign language. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I never thought that that, that was a possibility. But it's so obvious, like apes in real life do sign language. But we've never seen Kong communicate. Um, and I thought it was such a cool uh, idea because it was so like in front of our faces the whole time, but no one's ever done it in a movie. Yeah, well, it's such a smart way to to make Kong the baby face of the movie mm-hmm. is it's like it makes Kong immediately by a wide margin the most relatable character because Kong can talk. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, so we set that up and then we cut to um, a podcaster named Bernie. <laughs> This whole fuck, this plot, this plot's the part where it's like, it's very funny to think about, but could have absolutely just been shot out of a cannon into the trash and the movie would yeah. not be much different. So this guy is like a, this guy, the, the, this movie like is like very telling because it's like treats this guy as like a conspiracy theorist. Uh, it, it, it's basically like he's like true anon, but he's also like doing actual crimes and like breaking into like labs to like, you know, uh, to learn more about the Titans. Um, and yeah, he's just going to lead this like B plot that like is just incredibly underwhelming. Um, but he experiences this attack at the facility where Godzilla shows up and just starts like blowing up the blowing up the town. And there's this like little robot that he sees in there. And it's very clear that it's emitting a signal that is pissing off Godzilla. Yeah, this also this sequence, I I this I was excited for the story when it first started because his like first like spy move is very dope, where he goes in to like meet to like steal the data yeah. and, his, and his, that guy and is intentionally just like a really annoying dude is just like yes. the worst like essentials oil essential oils and crystal bullshit guy, and the other dude is just like I don't want to talk to this idiot and leaves and he's like great mm-hmm. now I can steal the data and I thought that was awesome and then it just totally. goes downhill yeah. from there. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I hope I'm not being too much of a humbug on this podcast, but like, please just like, uh, you know, that opening scene where Kong, you know, is just hanging out and then he throws that stick and you realize he's been Truman showed. That was like a really captivating way to convey information. And then as soon as we get to Paperboy, I, I don't know his real name, uh, the guy that you guys are talking about, Bernie. Um, Bernie. Bernie, as soon as we get to Bernie, it's all just information dump. I have to pay attention to dialogue. I'm just kind of in a general cinema mood where if I need to under if I need to pay attention to dialogue to understand emotionally the beats of what's going on, 
then I'm not interested. Yeah. Like, you know, it's just like, I, that's fucking television. I want fucking cinema with a capital C, motherfucker. You know what would like, have helped? You know, if, we, if it had been 4-3, I think it really could have focused <laughs> your vision. And black and black and white, yeah. Well, totally. sometimes and maybe four, black and, and white. four yeah. hours long. Yeah, it's too short. <laughs> yeah, um, more Snyder cuts is what the world needs. Yeah, but, 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 but I just thought that that, that that intro scene was just such a, you know, just an interesting way to convey the fact that he's stuck in a Truman Show simulation or whatever. And then, yeah, as soon as like it was all just like dialogue information dump, like I just didn't have the, the quality patience. drops very quickly whenever there's humans on screen. I, I It's like I mean, you're immediately in a worse movie every time humans are on screen. I completely agree. Um, so there's like obviously this device that's like irritating Godzilla. I thought the I thought like something that I will say about through this whole movie is I really like in a world of CGI movies, like the effects in this one looked really good. Everything looks so wet. And like, I just thought it looked great, even on my small living room TV. Um, but uh, so then we like are like, oh, OK, Godzilla's pissed. But, you know, it's because he's being irritated, but no one knows why or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the news is like eight people have died in that attack. And it's like eight like Godzilla blew up half that town. It's like I love sometimes when movies insist that like not that many people died. <laughs> right. Well, this is. Oh, yeah. I mean, it. Yeah, if we're going to talk about this, like every act, every action scene, I was like, Paul Verhoeven should have directed this movie because we need to be seeing people being fucking eviscerated, people being like blown to shit, skeletons flying everywhere. Mm. Um, and, you know, instead it was like, you know, Marvel movie violence where we see an explosion and we see people flying but we implicitly assume that they all fall on mattresses and are okay. Right. This is, this is some of the, what, what I've been talking about and complaining about is like the Joss Whedon effect on action movies generally. Um, because the Avengers, if you guys remember that when the first Avengers came out, there was a big thing of like, these are heroes, but they blew up the city and a bunch of people probably died. How like, what the heck? Um, and the same discourse was around like Batman for Superman, Man of Steel or whatever. And they started just adding news clips to things like this in movies where someone's like, don't worry, everyone was OK <laughs> after like the well, thing in, in both in both of those examples you just brought up. They took that discourse and just put it in the movie. Like yeah. <laughs> that's basically the you know inciting incident of Civil War and Batman versus Superman. Totally. Yeah. That's totally, how they got around yeah. at that time. And, they started I, and, and using- I think I think. Hey, go ahead. I think the movie you were talking about, Lux, that started that discourse on the DC side was actually Man of Steel. Man of Steel, yeah. That's what I that is what I meant to Yes, absolutely. And it's mm-hmm. it's it became it and then they started adding like they either tied it into the later movies and then in movies after that started using news to like just get around it. And it's like it's this weird thing where like it's it's like to to use a phrase I think is never used correctly. It's sort of like a gaslighting trick of like Look, I know you saw these monster destroy a city, but everyone's fine. Where it just like tricks you into like not into thinking, oh, Godzilla's not so bad. He only killed eight people in that attack. I, I will say though that like although they like like yes, like even in the Snyder cut, they constantly mention that they're going to abandoned islands to fight and stuff. Like like there's no one on this island right next to Manhattan. <laughs> like um, but uh you know, even though they do this eight people dead thing earlier, I find that like they never in the Hong Kong fight at the end of the film that just demolishes all of Hong Kong. Like they don't they don't attempt to make it seem like like people like survive. It's just like a big old fight. And I think that the difference between the Avengers and two big monkey and lizard is that you can't hold the big monkey accountable right. in the way you can hold Iron Man accountable. And yeah. so there is sort of a, you know, let say la vie nature uh, to 
you know, well, like, that's why the news reports so let live with these big monsters. And I think that's like the right tone. I don't think that like Kong and Godzilla should be like held accountable in the next film yep. and like have like 9-11 style PTSD about it. Oh, I totally um, agree. But that's I totally agree. But that's why the news news reports dumb. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why I'm promoting for Paul Verhoeven to do all these movies, because it shouldn't be <laughs> that they're held held accountable. It should be that this destruction is portrayed for what it really is, which is like mass genocide. And it should be relishing in that violence and mm-hmm. deliberately not giving a shit about it as a point of like criticism of its own form, which is why Paul Verhoeven's the best. And all this shit is, uh, you know, kind of child's play compared to his action style. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm uh, I'm going to give Paul five dollars a month to make his next movie. <laughs> yeah. um, Hell yeah. the Patreon for Hoven. <laughs> so then we get obvious bad guy CEO. I, I, I'm really sick of these movies where it's like you got like the guy's just clearly evil and doing like an evil voice. So he's evil and he he, he recruits Alexander Skarsgård, who is a, a scientist who believes in hollow earth. Um, and this is where I wanted Lux to sort of pipe in for a second who's been doing a lot of hollow earth research okay so we'll start with in the monster verse hollow earth's been established since kong skull island um on kong skull island john goodman theorizes that the entrance to hollow earth is on skull island that's part of why they're there and that's only part of his background things uh, in King of the Monsters, they find the underground tunnel where Godzilla lives and it has like the destroyed human civilization and realize that possibly goes to Hollow Earth and that that's how these giant monsters have moved around and existed for so long without anyone noticing them. Um, and then it becomes a central plot in this movie where it becomes the place where the Mako energy from Final Fantasy VII lives. Yes. That the evil Shinra <laughs> Corporation wants to steal. Mm-hmm. Um, and but the crazy thing is that Hollow Earth's like a real theory that's existed, right? Like before, like this predates Christianity. Like there's like Mayan and Sumerian Aztec theories about like a world underneath the earth. Greeks believed in it. It's in the Odyssey. Um, and then in like the 17th century, uh, scientists started talking about it a bunch, uh, including like Edmund Haley. Uh, and it was eventually uh, disproved a couple like a century, a couple of centuries later, but people kept persisting in it. And now it is where uh, weird psycho conspiracy theorists think the lizard people who control the government and everything else live in a hollow shell in the center of the earth. And it, but like hollow earth's been around. So it was really funny and weird sort of to, to see this movie kind of take up the hollow earth mantle and use it in a very different and, and fun way. Um, and it was very funny for it to be just final fantasy seven. Um, which is to me a hilarious thing to do. Kong with the yeah. one winged angel music behind him was pretty good. Yeah. Fucking bum, 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 bum. <laughs> wearing it, wearing it, wearing it, wearing it. Fucking, so good. Yeah. Godzilla as Barrett. Like it's so <laughs> it was, I fucking, I was watching it and I literally was like, this is Mako energy. Like this, like yeah. it's literally what Shinra is doing. They're taking the Mako energy from the center of the earth to make like weapons and technology. And like, that's so this, the, what the bad guys are in this movie. Right. So the CEO is like scars guard. We need you to help us get down to the bottom of the earth to get this energy so that we have something that humans can fight Godzilla with. It's like very contrived. And the guy's like, my brother died trying to go to hollow earth. And we're like, Oh, who is that? Okay. And then it's just like, I'm in. That's my favorite, my favorite. I mean, I already mentioned it. So that's my favorite hand waved science. Part of the whole movie is that they're like, we got to take you to hollow earth immediately. He's like, that's a real thing. I know I'm a hollow earth scientist. I believe that there's magical energy down there. And then they're like, great. 
but he's like one complication the reverse gravity will destroy any ship and they're like don't worry we made a ship that can handle the reverse gravity and then he's like great then i'm in and we're just done like there could a, a, a lesser or a lesser movie that was trying to seem yeah. like a smarter movie would have taken six to eight minutes of how does reverse gravity work? What about these ships makes them survive reverse gravity? Blah, 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 blah. Like, um, yeah. I mean, this is like this part is basically like the beginning of like Disney's Atlantis in a way. Like, the, <laughs> like there's a lot of like similar things happening here uh, with like going to the center of an earth and like getting a scientist to take you down there and stuff like and, and I just uh, I think even in Disney's Atlantis, they do even less of that. They're just like, you show us the way and then they just do it. And it's like, I think that's even better than like bringing up some gravity stuff, which we see later doesn't affect Kong at all. <laughs> yeah, it's it just like leaves like a trippy sequence. Um, It is very weird. Actually, what it kind of reminds me of is like a less well executed version of the time travel conversation in Looper. Yes. Where they're at the diner and uh, Phil, uh Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like. So how does this time travel work? And fucking Bruce Willis is like, eh, if we talked about it, it would take fucking forever. We're just not going to explain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's a great way to hand wave stuff. But this was very close to that in that no one asked any follow up questions. And we just like moved the fuck on, yeah. which like, thank God, um, especially given how little, like you said, the reverse gravity actually means anything and later in the movie at all. It's only there to explain why we haven't gone to hollow earth yet as a species, which is dumb. You could just say it's hard to find and it's like difficult, uh, you know, um, or, or, or later that we don't have a Titan to lead the way, which is then they're later their reason, which is stupid. But so as Skarsgård, he's in, he's going to help evil CEO man. Um, and then he goes, uh, and the evil CEO man mentions, don't worry, I have these specialized crafts. They're called H E A V's. And I would describe what these look like as one of those things you see at like, shitty theme old old theme parks or it looks like like the the spaceship from like star tours that you like get in and has a screen and shakes you around you know like one of those like 4d experiences or whatever at some theme parks um it looks like that and and i think it was such an incredible choice because so much of this film you were just like flying with the ship in basically well it's just like a dumb roller coaster shot it just like a lot of these shots feel like you're on star tours but it's Kong instead or Godzilla. <laughs> I thought it was good. Yeah, and it's fun. It's a fun element of the movie. All right, moving on. No one else liked the I, ships. I, I got a, I got a question. Sorry, I don't really have much to say about the plot because, like, I just I can't really tell you how much I don't care. But um, sorry, I do have a question though. If you guys are willing to do a little side thing, oh, sure. always. <laughs> okay. Do you guys think that, like, take the old Toho Godzilla movies, or you know? the ones that came out over like the next like decade and a half or whatever. Do you think that general moviegoers back then had more of a suspension of disbelief in as much as that, even though in reality it was a guy in a suit in this Godzilla costume, the general audiences suspended their disbelief and oriented themselves toward it as being real more so than audiences today when they watch Godzilla versus Kong, uh, even though everything is much more detailed and, you know, seemingly much more quote unquote realistic. Do you think that audiences today are um, just kind of, are they more aware that like, okay, well, obviously this is made by a computer. Whereas I feel like in my opinion, back then during the Toho days, the term movie magic, like the magic really meant something. It was like, how the fuck do they do this? It's like, uh, it's like a secret. It's like confounding. Whereas now I just kind of feel like, you know, everyone sees something that's not possible in real life and they just like, Oh, okay. CGI. I'm aware of that concept. Yeah. Yeah. I have 
I guess, a, a, a three thoughts on this. The first is like um, totally 100 percent. I think that like practical movie magic brings people into the movie in a way that CGI stuff like just can't really do in the same way. Um, and I think that that, that does have a big effect. Um, and I think that the only way for CGI to do the same thing is if people actually think about how CGI works or what you, like it is just as magical and just as technically impressive. But like a lot of people just think of CGI as like you type Godzilla into computer, hit enter and it renders out your Godzilla. You know what I mean? Like people treat yeah. it like a like a like a shortcut summoning thing when it is like a very hard and artistic thing to do. Like that's why you have like 17 fucking digital architects working on Godzilla and various cities throughout the movie. But um I do think it it doesn't have the same sense of like wonder in the same way because people either don't understand the process or it is just like computers at your house. I have computer. They have computer. This is just the result of bigger computer. The other thing about it that's true is that I think one problem with the world is that it's become incentivized to like poke at the cracks of movies um, as like a oh, yeah. cultural behavior. Whereas like this is what I say. I think like every movie has these cracks like and if you're looking for a movie, if you're looking for cracks in the movie, you're just not going to have fun with the movie. But if you accept the premise and just suspend your disbelief from the beginning, then the only time these cracks show up is if the movie's fucking up and sucks. But if you're like poking for it, every movie has logical inconsistencies and time jumps and weird shit and stuff that doesn't make sense. That's how movies work. It's telling a two hour story like that's always going to be the case. And so it's just sort of like uh-huh. there, there's an incentivization to like ignore the magic of it and like poke at it and like wiggle your glasses and adjust your pocket protector and be like, well, actually reverse gravity uh-huh. couldn't crush a ship. Yeah. A hundred percent. I completely agree with that. And, and in a sense, I think it actually puts more responsibility on the filmmaker. Cause you'll notice that these people who think that cinema sins is like legitimate criticism. Uh, you'll, you'll notice that like there are some movies that they don't level that criticism on. Let's just say, for example, the dark Knight. let's just say that's a movie these people love. What they don't realize is that the way that the movie is like structured and the way that it's rhythmically edited and the way that the sound comes in and just the way that the movie feels is so captivating that it disincentivizes them from finding these holes. Now, I just think that that puts a much larger responsibility on the filmmaker because now they have to basically, uh, you know, um, impress an audience so thoroughly that like they silence their critical mind. Um, whereas I think people in the past were a little bit more willing, they're a little bit more charitable with their attention. Yeah. It used to be much more of a meet in the middle thing. And now it's like, it's all on the filmmaker to bring you into such a degree that you don't care about, like that people don't poke at the, at the margins. And it's like, movies are fun because you accept that there are going to be marginal problems. You just ignore them and they're fine. Cause there's no, like the dark Knight or any movie has those same problems. There's logical inconsistencies. There's time jumps. There's like spatial mix ups. But what people have been saying about Congress versus Godzilla is that they appreciate that the movie doesn't care. And a lot of people are appreciating it because they're meeting the movie at the same level. And yeah. I think it's less about, I think there are movies that have no plot holes and I think there are movies that have a lot. And, but I think that like certain movies just need to be met at the level that they're operating on. And I think a lot of people like try to like answer, analyze everything from the perspective of uh, oh is it the godfather part two or whatever um and and i think that's like a dumb way to like appreciate art but going back to like jared's original premise about like movie magic uh i would i think the premise is a little flawed because uh, you know the guys that played these godzilla in these godzilla suits were like 
celebrities of their time. Like people knew mm. there was guys in those suits. Like they were like celebrities and they still are. They're huge in Japan. So I, I don't think that people like didn't know that there was people in those suits. Well, that's I just not think the that they like accepted in the same way that like you modern audiences have to accept that this is like how we do it now. Well, but like yeah. movie magic can feel thin right now with lots of CGI. And I think that like a way to recapture audiences modernly is to like get back to like creating those big physical sets with CGI accoutrements. I mean, I think there's that, but I think also Griffin, you're kind of, yeah, I think you, the two points you made, if you put them together, kind of put you, I think on the same page with, with what me and Jared are saying, which is that like you, that you got to meet the, the film halfway that you got to meet the movie where it's at and do what it's doing. And that the problem of a lot of movies and what I think King Kong does or Kong versus Godzilla rather does very well um, is just sort of be like, look, this is what we're doing. And like you're in or you're out on this movie. Um, but in general, like you do have to meet the movie halfway. And I think one of the problems is that people are less willing to do that with CGI, which is frustrating. Um, mm -hmm. Although big physical sets definitely do help. But there is a lot less of a suspension of disbelief given. Because like even with this movie, I've seen fucking people being like, well, how do they end up in Hong Kong when they start out in Florida? And it's like fucking robot train. Who gives a shit? Like that's not that's not yeah, what matters it doesn't here. matter. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I just want to clarify that I, I wasn't saying that CGI is not something that requires talented people. I mean, those artists are ridiculously talented and ridiculously underpaid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and have ridiculously specific jobs. Uh, I know I've talked about this before. A friend of mine used to just do the dust for Michael Bay and he was one of like seven dust guys. <laughs> like, yeah, it's insane. Um, they had like an entire dust army. Um, but it's like, yeah, the, it's the Mandalorian does stuff. a cool thing where they're doing the light screens now, which feels like a lot more immersive. Like on the Mandalorian, they don't have like green screens. They have these big light screens that like actually show the backgrounds, which gives like the actors more to work with and stuff. But like, yeah, like there is there's like a certain like just like cgi Wait, like overload. rear projection it's like rear projection like, oh cool and yeah that's the future that a lot of it's people are going to start moving towards and basically what it does is it allows like the people filming to like live in the space actually that they're like operating in and like the actors and, and it just looks better on screen too um so like that will be interesting but like yeah like i think that like the CGI smush, like it's like eating too much candy and then you're just like, ugh, like I can't eat another piece um, and it doesn't really feel grounded in anything. And like that's why, like, you know, even like the original Jurassic Park looks way better than Jurassic Park World. Like yeah. the, the, the dinosaurs feel more real and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, also the aspect ratio is much better in the first Jurassic Park, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> That's good to hear about light screen. Cause recently on television, I saw a uh, Jupiter ascending and I was, and I had seen it before, but I was reminded of Eddie Redmayne's performance in that movie. And I know this is a bit of a tangent, but I just feel so bad for him because you can just tell that all of his scenes were basically him sitting on a box in a green screen with Lana Wachowski just telling him to do this really weird voice and her just saying, trust me, it's going to be cool. And then, like, as an actor, Eddie Redmayne, you just have to trust your director. And then at the end, he looks like a fucking moron in that movie. Yeah, especially because he's definitely trying the hardest out of everyone in that movie. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I mean, having some having an idea of what you're looking at while you're acting probably makes a big difference. Definitely helpful. <laughs> Eddie Redmayne is acting like he was told he was going to be CGI. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a really good way to put it. <laughs> um, de- definitely, yeah. Just hanging him out to dry. Um, but what a, what, a, what a memorable movie. Um, so, okay. Without getting into the plot, because I, I you know, I want Jared to be able to, to chip in here. Jared, I know you don't like the plot no, of the no, movie, no, I, I, but like, what about okay. some of these action scenes then? Can we talk about those? Like, let's talk about this first big action scene between uh, Kong and Godzilla on the water. I mean, this is my favorite type of scene where, you know, like the hero is fucked. He's chained up and he's out of his element. Like this was like my a perfect type of action scene for me. Yeah, I will say that even though I was watching on a small screen and not the best audio setup, there were a handful of times where the impact of like a blow or something like that was so kind of tangible that I just felt myself going, oh, as soon as it happened. And like, if you can get that kind of reaction out of me while I'm in a living room, that's pretty tight. Yeah, Mm -hmm. the fights are the fights are really well choreographed and really smart. I really love this boat fight for all the reasons you just said, Griffin. It was like, I mean, I said it before, but like a big thing that this movie is doing, it's like basically doing wrestling shit. Like Mm -hmm. you've got your baby face and they're tied to they're like about to have a fight in like their worst possible position. They're stuck. In, they're stuck in chains. Uh, Skarsgård has to swim across the boat to open the chains mm-hmm. um, to free him. And fucking there's a giant lizard who's like on their home field, just like wrecking shop. And it makes both of them look awesome because of the fact that King Kong can like put up any kind of fight in that setting makes Kong look like brave and powerful and and like ingenious. And it also just like shows the pure, like indomitable force of Godzilla. And so it's like, mm-hmm. that's how you book a fucking match to put over both wrestlers. Like that's it's a perfect, a it's a, it's it, fucking perfect. And to talk a little bit more like big picture about just like action in, 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 in like our um, American blockbusters. So often like it's, it's like in these like Western blockbusters, it's like the heroes action scene is them kicking ass really well for three minutes and just being badass. Um, Whereas like one of the reasons I like a lot of like anime and stuff is because they, they, they pit the hero in like an impossible situation with all the stakes against them and their enemies being way more powerful than them. And I think that's just like a way more interesting perspective that I don't see as much, especially in these like superhero films where it's all just about like success, success, success. Uh, It's like cool that like in this first fight, like Kong is in this just absolutely impossible. I mean, there's a, there's a part in the sequence where the boat is flipped underwater and Kong is still chained underwater in the boat and Godzilla's like coming at him. And it's just like that. It's just like a great moment. And I think a lesser movie uh, wouldn't have been like put him in these like insane situations. It's like the only part where I cared about what the humans were doing because it was like, I need one of these humans to press the <laughs> button to let Kong get in the fucking mix. <laughs> yes. Uh, it sucks. And like, again, it's just like in all these scenes, Kong is just treated so unfairly. Like this lady just like says to just gives him away to a private company almost immediately. And they almost immediately like just drag him straight to his death. Like, and I'm just like, God, this guy just, he He's got to get out of this. I feel bad for him. Um, so they get through this sea scene and they're like, well, you know, we have to get away from Godzilla. So they decide to airlift Kong from a boat to Antarctica. Now, why wasn't that the plan the whole time? And also, why don't they ever give Kong some cover? He's always like just in the rain or just like get, in the snow. It's like this. Treat him a little nicer. Just get that. Get, get him a big blanket. Yeah, it, I, it sucked. Just so they, use they one of those baseball field tarps. They drop him in Antarctica, like a and there's like a Kong-sized hole. onesie. Yeah, like a Ugh. onesie. Oh, that'd be so cute. And they could afford that. Come on, they're like, you, um, you know, they're fucking they're their Amazon. <laughs> 
They're Amazon, Dude, exactly. I, I, I would pay another $10 to see the onesie cut. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Release I the onesie cut. I would donate <laughs> my entire stimulus to the funding of the of the onesie cut. Um, so like um, th- this is where another part of the movie where if you think about the human plot for even a second, it'll drive you mad. But they drop Kong in Antarctica near the big hole and they're like, we need Kong to show us how to get down there. But it's like he doesn't really lead them down there. It's just like pretty easy to it's go down. the hole. Line. It's a straight line down <laughs> the hole. So that seems very confusing. But on top of that, they're like, we have to go down the hole because Kong will die here because we're out of ships. And I'm like, they lose this asset that quickly. Like, that's insane. Like, that's Fucking like no contingency plans. It's just like some Iraq no- war bullshit. It's <laughs> fucking insane how little they plan for this. The, the world's only Titan that they have any control over. And they just like a private company like loses five ships and they're like GG's on that one. Um, so they convince the little girl to like to tell Kong to go down the hole. Um, and then we go down the hole and my God, they go down a portal. And I'm just like Kong, the way Kong falls down the portal, I'm like Kong is getting fucked. Yeah, I was like, Kong is going to die. Like, yes, even with reverse gravity shit, whatever that means, like (laughs) he falls like so far. Yes. I'm just like, how could you do this to Kong? And they go through like a real like it is a real fucking like trippy, like DMT portal like space odyssey. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, very 2001. But doesn't ever go into Kong's perspective there. I wish I would have seen Kong. Be like, <laughs> Kong's doing, <laughs> doing that one gif of like the kid who's. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's fucking wild. And then while this is all happening, we're for some reason cutting to Millie Bobby Brown and Bernie and their weird friend Josh mm-hmm. um, exploring the Apex facility. And we find out that they have like other weird cryptid monsters there mm-hmm. in eggs and then they get then they go to then they get on a train and get zooped through the underground train tracks mm-hmm. uh, which is like it's just like why are we even seeing who cares mm-hmm. it's um, pretty trippy J- jared what do you think about this the space odyssey portal bro i don't even remember that <laughs> <Awesome. laughs> let i go. saw this movie i saw this movie two nights ago and uh yeah, man. Okay. I mean, I was just checked. I, I mean, I was just being a really picky audience member, and I'm like, my attention span is not charity. You fuck. You make. You earn it. If I'm gonna listen <laughs> to this dialogue. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And like, nothing about the the falling through the giant portal and tube is like particularly well dramatized. It's just a bunch of people being like, oh no, and like that's really it. And so like, yeah, I mean, they're not giving you a lot. So do you think, Jared, like if the if the human plot had been less insulting to like our intelligence, that like you could have like paid attention more to it, or like was there something more fundamental about this type of movie that like just can never get your attention? No, I mean to be honest, I'm probably being too harsh on the movie. Uh, and it's really just so much about watching a movie is just the mood you're in. And, uh, you know, I, my mom wanted to watch the movie and I was like, okay. And, uh, I think I just wasn't in a very curious mood. I wasn't really in a mood to be very engaged. Uh, it's just, it's just the mood you're in. Totally. And this is one where like, I think that that's part of what we're just talking about before. It's like, you have to make the choice to meet the movie halfway. And if you're just not in the mood to do that and you don't do that, a movie like this just isn't going to work because there is, there are so many things that it's like hand waving and, and walking past and not dramatizing um, to get yeah, to the core for, shit. People forget that 
you know, sometimes, you know, the best movie viewing experience you've ever had or whatever, like it, 40% of it is just, oh, you might have had a good lunch beforehand, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of just your ability to be captured, your ability to be uh, really passionate about what's going on. Um, so, yeah, like, I'm sure that if I was in a theater and, uh, you know, I was seeing it uh, with some friends, I would be much more engaged. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, the, the situation in which you're watching a movie is so important to your overall viewing experience. Yeah. Yeah. You- like I watched, I watched twilight when I was very sick with the flu and I didn't give that a, a fair shot. And now uh, <laughs> I am proudly team Bella's dad forever. I'm team um, vampire baseball. I wish that was what the yeah. whole series was about. Yeah. How could I, how could I have ever thought vampire baseball was stupid? I, I was so sick in that moment. And yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, so, you know, then let's talk about, the Mecha Godzilla. We're going to skip ahead a little bit here, Wait, but like, okay, I want to talk about hollow earth, but do you want to come back to hollow earth and just go to Mecha Godzilla first? Well, no, I just, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to, you know, if our, our, our guest doesn't give a fuck about the movie. No, 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 it's, no, no. It's, 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 I'm not, we're already at 55 minutes. Are we going to do the whole plot? We don't have to, you know, I mean, I know, talk about do your hollow earth point and then we'll do Mecha Godzilla. Okay. So don't let me, don't let me motivate this. I'm sure the people that are listening, are they care we we love we love that we love that you're here still yeah i feel like uh (laughs) the people that are listening who aren't here just to listen to me and griffin be dumb are here because you're here so no matter what we do it doesn't super matter um uh but yeah but i'm way i'm way out of character usually the jared character is like yeah man i did my work i did my research (laughs) i care about this movie but sorry bro i i broke kayfabe i just I couldn't give less of a shit about the plot of I this mean, movie. Good, raw, <laughs> uncut homie that. Jared is like a good character <laughs> yeah. to show the world. Um, yeah. But uh, what I was going to say about Hollow Earth is this is where the movie hit Avatar territory for me, which is like, and I think maybe Jared will relate to this, is like, instead of this whole King Kong Godzilla movie, what if it was just a two-hour David Attenborough documentary about Hollow Earth? Like, why not just give me that? Which is how I feel about Pandora also. is like, I don't need the plotting. I don't need the narrative. Just give me a two hour documentary about this crazy cool setting because you got bird chicken bat things. You got crazy flying lizards. You got a place where the ground is all crabs like this could Mm be an awesome just fake nature doc. And it's crazy to me that we haven't even seen that. We've never seen one fucking like fully CGI crazy mega blue screen fake nature documentary. I think people would go ape shit for that. Um, and this movie like flex that a little bit, but again, it's like, that's just what I want. Like, that's the, like, show me cool monsters doing cool things. Um, and I they just might, wish that they it, might make it, they might make it into a theme park like avatar land. That would be pretty sweet. Yes. Yeah, I would do that. God, I'm when I'm vaccinated, I'm fucking hitting up Fiesta, Texas so quick. And let me tell you, I think if there was oh, some yeah. sort of like, um, if there was some sort of like silent film that just charted like the world of hollow earth and yeah, like old battles between Godzilla's and Kong's and just but all silently just kind of docu docu style. I think, yeah, it, they could spend a lot. They could lose a lot, a lot of money doing that. So that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of people would really yeah. like it. I think <laughs> it should be at like 1.3 speed and only with like, you know, a, a piano accompaniment since there was no sound back then. That would be badass. <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell yeah. 
it's I all like jaunt, jaunty text cards that say like roar mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so like you know kong finds his throne down there uh he finds uh, his axe which i thought the cool touch was the axe is made out of one of godzilla's own scales um which i thought wow. was a really cool touch that like there's this ancient battles between the, the godzillas and kongs and kongs killed enough godzillas to like build a scale armory which i thought was very cool um and then godzilla freaking portal fucking laser beams through the earth at uh kong and i'm like wait so is there no portal now (laughs) i'm like it's just like the portal thing is just completely thrown away it gets he Uh, he burns right through burns right through the reverse gravity with the pure force of godzilla (laughs) he burns through the bullshit portal yeah and then kong and the ship they have to climb up the portal pretty quickly and easily no problem Uh, and uh boom we're in hong kong baby uh and the one thing that happens here that is is like the plot beat is like the the corporate people get a piece of magical inside of the earth to send up to to power mechagodzilla which i guess brings yes. us to your mechagodzilla stuff um so let's get mm-hmm. into it yeah so mechagodzilla is like simultaneously powered by hollow earth energy but also is being controlled by the head of Ghidorah. yeah like, it, was, it was like a double connection so like i guess they're trying to imply that like the head of Ghidorah eventually like takes over mechagodzilla's like ai programming is like the theory there right it's because they put pure life energy into this matrix mm-hmm. that uses like the hollowed out systems of a dead uh titan and then mm-hmm. the the life energy reactivates the titan sort of sentience and so it it overrides the guy inside and melts his brain and mm-hmm. then he takes over uh and then it takes over mechagodzilla and mechagodzilla goes wild mm-hmm. um, i thought mechagodzilla was pretty tight yeah One of my favorite my favorite hits of the movie was when all of those like jet propulsion boosters like kind of they switch on on his back and then yes. he just like propulsion smashes godzilla in the fucking face yes. that was definitely a fucking oh m- moment for me for yeah. sure yeah because I mean, this is the part kicks are so brutal <laughs> this is the part where the yeah. movie just hits the gas in a really great way which is like big fucking kong versus godzilla fight and it rules they smash a bunch of buildings kong axes godzilla godzilla lasers kong totally. um, and here's a way worse version of the movie I gotta find my daughter. We look to the left. They're fighting. Where's Millie Bobby Brown? No, sir, you can't. I'm getting on the helicopter. I gotta find my daughter. And they're like fighting in the background. No, fuck that. We're watching their entire fight. And it's good. It's like none of the normal bullshit that slows you down. Like we forget that like in the original old like costumed Godzilla movies, like they chart long battles between these they're slugfests yeah uh and and like finally a monster movie that's like willing to just like put it all on the table for the monsters and it rules um it's sick and godzilla's uh stormbreaker or kong stormbreaker absorbs like godzilla's mouth laser and they that just part was crazy yeah, yeah. and they destroy <laughs> like so much of hong kong um and somehow um, millie um, bobby brown and friends have taken the robot train from florida to hong kong and like who cares i fucking yeah. hated that i hated yeah. all the whole that. hacking yeah. scene was so fucking stupid 
Yeah. So they yeah, like wanted Sam, to find Sam a way Brad to get humans in the fight. <laughs> Sam Brown mentioned that they solved the problem. Like their entire plot leads to them pouring whiskey on a computer, which then slightly oh, yeah. but vaguely disables Mecha Godzilla in a in like an incredibly vague way. It's like, and yeah, that was our entire plot. <laughs> it's like yeah. Good for you yeah, guys. like the Eureka I remember this. The Eureka moment is like someone says the word drink or something. He's like, drink, uh, that's it. And then just like pours the shit on the computer and mm-hmm. oh man. Like like it. it it's not even like a last case of like a last ditch effort. It's, Oh my God, how could I have not have thought that by pouring alcohol or water on this, that it's going to malfunction it in the precise way that it needs to yeah. in order to stop Mecha Godzilla. Right. That's never could... worked too. I hate teaching kids that, you know, computers don't help you when you break them. <laughs> yeah. Cause you could dramatize that scene in this way of like he's drinking he's about to drink the last sip of the whiskey that represents his ability to have hope and like Millie Bobby Brown jumps up and is like no you can't just give up and they fight and they spill the whiskey and that saves the day and then at least that's like dramatized and thematic but what happens instead is dumb hacker Josh is just trying to guess the password guesses wrong too many times gets locked out hears the word drink and then pours a bunch of whiskey on the computer and that saves the day um, that right, shit but it, it didn't dumb. even really need to be a drink it could have just been like oh let's get an axe and break this motherfucker it could have right? been like Aquaman like, where they pee on it like, I haven't seen Aquaman oh in Aquaman yeah. they pee on the entrance to the secret desert Atlantis speaking of movies that know exactly what they are yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah like uh, I think that also in this third act i think that the movie smartly had to show that godzilla would win in a in a godzilla versus kong fight simply because like godzilla to even a sense i might agree with is like unfairly not given enough character scenes on its own um and so it just kind of feels like just kind of a dumb brute compared to like kong and also like an overpowered one but you know i think that like godzilla fans were able to feel a little bit better that at least we the movie proved that like godzilla is just too overpowered like the laser breath is just so unfair yeah it's very unfair um, <laughs> it's so unfair to kong like um, again it's just like how well, is kong gonna win in this scene like that's an engaging scene to me like if they were evenly matched in that scene i think it would actually be a lot more boring but the fact that it's like kong the entire battle is like dodging godzilla's laser beams is like i'm like how is it kong gonna do anything here yeah well it puts kong on a gradient from like humans to godzilla right where godzilla is like this unknowable pure force of destruction like nature Mm-hmm. Um, and then Kong is like humans with a little bit of that, but not enough to match up to like the hundred percent uncut, raw, angry, Lovecraftian nature, like beast yeah, of Godzilla, fully uncut, which is great. Um, yeah, uncircumcised Godzilla, very powerful. Um, yeah. but yeah, when Kong rips Mecha Godzilla's head off, and you see the fucking mechanical spine come out, mm-hmm. that was like a pure shot of testosterone directly to my brain. Yeah, yeah. then you should like well, you should watch Wally's Wonderland. Then, yeah, Willy, it's yeah. very similar. Okay, Wally's Wonderland has I, I have a lot of shots it, of someone picking up the low, like oil the blood head of fluid. a yeah, the inexplicable <laughs> spinal fluid of a robot. Um, <laughs> it, that movie's covered in it. It's wild. Um, but but yeah, you know. We, what ha- what had to happen what what was always happen and I, and I am very disappointed in I think the marketing for this film because they do reveal in the trailer shot that Mecha Godzilla is in the film which I thought was really stupid which like gives away the whole plot of the movie 
Yeah, and you knew that Kong Godzilla, this is obviously a universe-building film. You knew that they were going to have to team up against a bigger bad, but I think it is does suck to just show a glimpse of, like, a big metal monster, like, in your trailer. Everyone knows what that means, and and I think that that was, like, ultimately, was like, okay, but still, when Mecha got here, even though it wasn't a surprise, Mecha looked awesome and was just insanely, po- like, powerful, and they team up together. They do a big charge move together, and yeah, Kong gets the final kill and uh, then Kong, they have a long stare off and then Kong drops his axe. And I guess the ancient feud is finally over. And Jared's right. The movie is fucking over there. No humans who have to like hug and be like, I was so worried about you. No, who care? Yeah. Godzilla swims away. Kong goes to hollow earth. Everything's fine. Um, scars Credit, credits roll. Yeah, and it, it, it's great. Uh, scars guards like redeemed from being a corporate stooge because he like uses the plane to shock Kong back to life when Kong's like about to die. So everyone's like now everyone likes Scars guards. So he gets to work at the Hollow Earth Center, mm-hmm. and like that's it. That's the movie. Now here's my question for you guys: Is what's the next MonsterVerse movie? <laughs> like that? Where does it question. go from here? Yeah. Is it just they keep teaming up to fight bigger monsters? Like, what's how does that dynamic change meaningfully for movie to movie? Like, what happens now? Well, they have to release like they have to release like a bunch of monsters at once because it can't just be like Kong versus Godzilla versus one monster because like it just will feel not that threatening. So, like, it has to be a thing where it's like, oh, my God, 10 monsters. And then it's like Kong and Godzilla, like literally going up against like a bunch. They've Um, already done Mothra, Rodan, Ghidorah. Yeah. Mechagodzilla. Like what what are they just gonna start making up new ones, which is totally fine by me. I love new kaiju, but like is that just what what happens now? Is like each movie is just a bigger number of made up kaiju. There's been this ongoing threat of Pacific Rim crossover. Which I think is mm, I'm not exactly Yeah, like, no, I don't I don't like that at all. It it, it just fundal it like it changes what the metaphors are in both movies. Like even the the to the degree this movie has metaphors, like it just changes like what the metaphoric symbolism of both movies is. It's dumb. It makes the themes all different. They don't match like they. Mm-hmm. It's stupid to think that just because two movies have big monsters and it means that they're talking about the same thing in the same way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and the next movie is just going to be a picture of Godzilla's face and they're just going to call it God. Wow. Oh, like they fight God. Well, it's just no. It's just like, you know, that <laughs> that. Instead of Fast and the Furious 5, it's just Fast, Fast 5. five. And I just feel like, you know, if they just call it God, then it's going to be like, oh, man, this is how it got like some sort of like, you know, thematic ambition. It's going to be Godzilla. It's going to be fucking awesome. I, th- I feel like this is just how marketing departments work. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, yeah, yeah, like I'm looking at the list of I'm monsters ha- I'm half here. serious. Yeah, I mean, like, you're not I'm- totally wrong, though. I'm looking at the list of monsters here and it seems like generally what happens is a lot of like the the monsters that Godzilla defeats then come back as robot versions of themselves. Yeah. Um there's also like a robot like man boy that like gets into the mix sometimes. Yeah, and there's like um, Destroyer, Destroyer and Gigan is in there. Those are fun. But, but like they did really blow their big chips like pretty early on by like putting uh Gear Draw or whatever uh Monster X. <laughs> And uh, oh wait, this one—the one with the—the one with the hooks for hands. Which right, isn't is that Gigan or isn't that Gigan? Yeah, it's Gigan. Yeah, like, dude. Okay, Gigan's pimp. Yeah, Gigan rips. Destroy is cool. Like, there's still good ones left, but it's just—it is weird because like, what there's there's no 
like to, to compare it to the Marvel movies, right? It's like there are various dynamic changes from Marvel movie to Marvel movie. So you can do different team ups and different Avengers having to deal with different kinds of problems and having different mix em ups. Theoretically, if the Snyderverse happens, you'd have the same kind of ability to like change the approach to things. Um, but you can't really remix Kong versus Godzilla. You know what I mean? Like there's just they don't really communicate. So there's not a lot of like interpersonal drama because it's a big monkey, big lizard. Like, you know, they just it doesn't feel like there's a lot of ways to go with this, which is why I think that well, as much as I like as the monster, long as yeah, as long as the monster, as long as the ape is still big and the lizard is still big, they'll figure it out. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just I was just going to complain about how they got rid of the dark universe, which is my favorite cinematic universe that will never happen. And they just got to make sure it doesn't get smaller. Yeah, they, they can't shrink those monsters. Keep them big. Wait, what's the dark universe? That's it, not the Tom Cruise monster thing, is it? it? No, it was. It was supposed to be the Tom Cruise mummy, oh. uh, fucking Dracula, untold Dracula, an invisible man, a Frankenstein, and a wolf man. And it was going to do a whole universe of interlocking, fucking vaguely extraordinary gentlemen slash like whatever type mix em ups. And that seemed great to me. Uh, and it absolutely is never going to happen because the Tom Cruise movie ate shit. Yeah, I think coming out with the mummy first was a bad idea because everyone still remembers the Brendan Fraser franchise, which went pretty sour when Jet Li was involved. And yeah, yeah. but I agree. I mean, hey, any cinematic universe with Tom Cruise, dude, I'm I'm there opening day. Yeah. Also, just lead with Dracula. You all if you're doing those sure. monsters, you lead with Dracula every time. That makes sense to me. Um, Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman. That's your S tier. Like, especially since this was still during like, you know, kind of twilight vampires are cool kind of times. Yeah. Ugh, infuriating. But that's another that's another Lux problem for another Lux day. We don't need to get into that right here right now. Um, but OK, so we've gone through the movie. What are some anyone got any final thoughts about Congress Godzilla? <laughs> no, I think I, I think I've really uh, communicated every single emotion that I felt during the movie. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. Um, that's kind of where, I, where I'm at too. We got like all I got. I had everything in my notes. My notes were compared to the fucking Snyder cut or even the Willy's Wonderland episode we did recently. My notes are so much shorter for this movie than for either of those, mm-hmm. um, which is fine. I mean, I don't mind. Um, it's not like I was taking notes less attentively. It was just there was less shit to write down that was in, like, like made me want to write something down. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I mean, I had fun. I like this movie. I'm, I'm glad it happened. I hope they make more. I like watching big monsters fight. Yeah, I agree, too. Well, I'll say that I definitely would have preferred to see it in a theater. Yeah. I actually went to the theater twice in Houston, and so I'm a little bit of a spoiled bitch now. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for the first fucking movie theater. My final thought is that, like, I think that there's been a lot of discussion in, in like, the last year, especially or so, of, like, people um, trying to over-intellectualize uh, things that are should be just, like, popcorn or, or like, um, um, trying to... Um, find to like finding or like needing something to be meaningful because you like it. And I think that this movie like defies all of, all of that energy. And it's just like, no, like, like don't approach this movie as like thoughtful or intellectual. It's not trying to operate on that level. And and it's just very refreshing, especially like in a sea of blockbusters that like, I, I don't know, try to be, inspirational in some weird way and i'm thinking mainly about the marvel films but i don't know it it just if it just felt nice to not be condescended to for once in a way yeah so i i agree with that and and as just as like a a media analysis dude um my what i think about that is is an interesting thing which is like 
no matter what movie you make, it's going to say shit about the person who makes it in the world they live in because there's so many subconscious like influences of like ideology and, and experience and things going on. Like every movie's talking about something, whether the movie means to be or not. The problem is that so many movies really want to be like, we are intentionally being smart and intellectual instead of just being like, there are going to be ideas in your movie no matter what. But so many movies want to be perceived that way and go out of their way to make the movies around that perception. And that becomes very boring. Like this movie has ideas in it. It's a movie about fucking evil corporatism and environmental destruction and human hubris and whatever. Um, and that's all in there. But like it's just not the what the movie's built around. And it's that's the big distinction is like this movie doesn't make its ideas the center of the movie. It makes the movie the center of the movie. And so many like Marvel-y movies or similar action movies do want to make the ideas the center of the movie. And it's like, you don't have to do that. They're going to be there anyway because you're a fucking human being. Yeah, I was actually interested to hear, uh, not to put you on the spot, but like, what are some of these other movies that you think are overly intellectually ambitious when they don't need to be? Um, Definitely some of the Marvel movies are like that. Um, I don't think, and I don't I mean, oftentimes it's not even necessarily like the film, but the, and, but the, the sort of the, the cultural consensus about the thing. And like, for instance, I think WandaVision is a good example of this where it's like, it's it, it, it like it, people needed to like really draw a lot of, a lot of meaning out of it. And I just don't think it, I think it had a very shallow take um on the themes it was talking about but i think people just like like seeing any even little bit of theme in something they like want to draw it out to be like this is the great um this is the great discourse on this topic this is a this is like a landmark um discourse conversation around this topic when it's like no this is like superhero popcorn yeah and to the degree that a lot of those things have stuff in it it's not even stuff that people writing it meant to put in it. It's just like the stuff that unconsciously comes out, which is fine. Mm -hmm. And that's something to talk about, but it doesn't make the movie intentionally genius about whatever. Um, and yeah, I mean, some other examples of this are like the first two Snyder DCEU movies. Like I, I like, well, I had mixed feelings with the Snyder cup, but like man of steel and Batman vs Superman were very consciously yeah, like commentary, like smart 100%. guy commentary in a way that just like did not work in those movies. Um, and you know what, uh, on just kind of a side note on those two movies, you know, nobody ever talks about how Christopher Nolan is an executive producer on all these movies. And I think he deserves some of the blame if you think that those movies are too ideologically heavy handed mm -hmm. because totally. I have, you know, I mean, I, I can't prove this, but I remember seeing in an interview that before Man of Steel came out, Christopher Nolan was in an interview saying, you know, I think me and Zack Snyder really figured out the overall angle for the DCEU. And even in Justice League, Snyder Cut, all the DCU movies, Nolan is an executive producer. And I really do have a feeling that Nolan got together with Zack Snyder and they fucking broed down hard on like philosophy on theology. And that has been the kind of like overall DCEU extended universe ethos. And no one ever blames Christopher Nolan. All right. Well, before we get wrap this up, which I you blame, just I blame Christopher Nolan and, and I agree. We're going to we're going to we're going to stop him together, Jared. Uh, let's leave that pause. <laughs> let's uh, let's un let's, instead of restore the Snyderverse, let's destore the Nolan conspiracy. Um, let's let's get right. superhero movies and, that have neither that don't have Christopher Nolan, Zack Snyder or Joss Whedon goo on them. And let's get some new goo into the superhero slash action movie genre, please. Do you say new goo? I did. <laughs> um, but, he, but really quick before we wrap this up, Jared, you, what's your one minute take on the Snyder Cut? I've been craving to hear this. So if ever right now, in terms of like what I want to see in a superhero movie, I'm sick and tired of Marvel movies that 
are pre-visualized before the director even gets on set. It's very formulaic. If I'm seeing a superhero movie, I want it to be fucking four hours long in four by three and black and white for no other reason than the director can get away with it. So as like a cultural meme, fucking love it. Loved it. Just like, you know, was just entertained the entire time just based on the audacity that this thing actually exists. There were a handful of times I couldn't even believe what I was fucking watching. But uh, just the, you know, even just like that feeling of like, oh, my God, this exists. I'm watching these like Nords sing for five minutes about Aquaman. You know, like, (laughs) yeah, like I I, I can't. The fact that that exists gave me much more stimulation than, you know any kind of other formulaic superhero movie. Cause I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. It's movie qua movie. It's hard to evaluate because experientially it's so unique and distinct and fun and, and strange that it's like that, that goes so far for it. I think the, the Nordic scene is so important to distinguish the Marvel versus DC style right now, because Marvel is about how every superhero is actually just like your sarcastic best friend at Starbucks. Whereas like the Snyder films uh, with the singing scene, it's like revel in the gods. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. amongst us. <laughs> yeah, totally. It, it really is a scene where it's like revere these people in a serious way. Well, that was a long app. Love to do a long app with a great guest. That was insanely fun. Jared, what are you up to these days? Slash where can people find you? Slash what's going on? Uh, the only real social media that I have is my Instagram. Um, I have been playing, uh, oh, which is at father of Woody. Um, and um I've been playing around a little bit on Clubhouse, but I uh, haven't really had the uh, discipline to like schedule a talk or anything. I've basically just been um, messing around in other people's rooms. Uh, what have I been up to? Well, basically, after I left Wisecrack in October, I took the rest of the year off just to like, you know, oh, my God, it's been eight fucking years. You know, like I just need to chill. And so then I chilled until january and then i hit the ground running just looking for a job in january and then for a lot of those early months you know it was still heavy pandemic uh i ended up staying in new mexico for a while because la was at the time the epicenter of the pandemic um and uh then luckily i got vaccinated in february um during this whole time i'm just like taking random job interviews you know just kind of willing to talk to anybody who wants to talk to me Got some interesting offers, none that I've taken yet. Um, But then I went to Houston to visit an old childhood friend. And that's really been the highlight of the year for me so far uh, because, you know, I got vaccinated and Houston, everything is open. So just been like hitting restaurants hard, hitting the gym hard, going to movies, you know, just I can't recommend it enough for like mental health. And yeah, you can. Uh, you know, before I got to Houston, I was one of those people who were like, oh, such barbarians opening up 100%. But goddammit, when I got there, just the increase in my overall quality of life was so undeniable that I became a full stop Republican. Uh, <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm almost yeah. there too. I'm, I'm vaccinated and the vaccine did make me Republican as well. Um, yeah. I'm the I'm the Romney girl from uh, from the election night. You know, the one. That had that on her forehead. Yeah. A bummer. <laughs> I don't. Well, look, you don't, don't worry about I, it. Your life is better for not knowing, I think. <laughs> this is totally off topic, but whenever I hear the, the, the name Romney, I think of, uh, you guys ever watch Pawn Stars? Yes. You oh, know, yeah. the, the, the book, uh, the book expert, her name is Rebecca. You know who I'm talking about? She's so fine. And she fucking is married to like 
Mitt Romney's like cousin or something. Her name is something Romney. And I'm just like, God damn it. Of course, the hottest book expert in the world is married to a fucking Romney. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> all right. So then post uh, post Houston. So what are you what are you up to now? What's the what's the Jared Sitch? Well, the person I was staying with had to go to Colorado. Uh, and uh, now I'm just going back to Houston in like a week because I just like, you know, uh, when he gets back, I'm just going back because uh, right now, you know, job, job, job hunting a sucks B it just takes fucking forever. Like, you know, you'll get like four interviews for a job spread, spread over like a month. So, um, yeah, the, the, the job that I'm, that I have an offer for that I'm most likely to take at the moment, but you know, things could change, believe it or not, is a job in fucking Finland. Um, and, uh, I don't know. It's going to be a tough decision because the thing about Finland is like, it's cold. You get paid less. You get taxed more. Apparently, it's like a super safe. It's super safe. Um, you know, like the work-life culture balance is like super on point. It's a country run by four thirty-five-year-old women. Um, so there universal, are a lot of universal healthcare, so, social services, universal, universal healthcare, <laughs> universal healthcare. Yeah. Well, I they mean, yeah, Republicans, they, they, apparently, yeah. <laughs> they, they sent, they sent me this PDF of like what it's like to live in Finland. Um, they have a federally enforced maximum amount of hours. You can work a week. You gents want to guess how much? 35, 15, <laughs> <laughs> not that cool man but uh it's 37.5 i was so still, close i was like two you were really close you were close um and then you have to have to take 30 business days off a year have to 30 Fucking, 30? I, 30 how does anyone in america look at the nordic model and not just scream about how can we not why don't we have it it's so that's, that's well, awesome well the reason is is because at the end of the pdf there was a tax calculator and then everything got a lot less fun Simply because, A, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. My kids will not be taking advantage of this amazing school system that I'd have to be paying for. You know, I'd also be buying into, like, a pension system that I'll never see the money for. You know, so there's all those things to take into consideration. But really, what's going to make the big decision for me is, like, just going there and seeing just what it feels like. I've never been to a Nordic country. yeah. So, uh, you know, I think just, like, if it's just a nice place to be, it's a good vibe. And like, if people are cool, um, then it could be really attractive. Yeah, if, you, if you get into salty fish, that's a place to live. Well, before you, there before you, uh, before you leave the States, let's go see, let's go see a movie, uh, sometime in LA before you leave Jared. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm vaxxed up too. Uh, and, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's, 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 it's the summer of love, baby. Yeah. It's a, uh, every yeah. advertising friend I have has been telling me that everyone is branding. Everything is like, take back the time that you lost to COVID and double party forever. <laughs> um, that's like the main thing. So it's time instead to, of, instead of six beers, drink 12. Yeah. So it's, yeah, exactly. Instead of one beer, I'll be drinking two. Um, buy two cars. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, that's that. Well, that's fucking a dope update. Uh, if you move to Finland, I'm very excited to hear about how that goes because that's a, a place I'm very curious about. And they've got a wild, wild series of the way they use vowels there, which is fun to think about. Um, Griffin, do you have anything you want to plug? No, I'm just uh, I want to plug uh, America uh, and our vaccine uh, capabilities. And I'd like to plug. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Game Boys podcasts and my co-host Lux, who's a great guy. Hey, thanks, man. Um, I'll plug Griffin, who who rips. <laughs> uh, go check out the Chim Room on Twitch.tv slash Chim Room and uh, check out Wisecrack stuff where I'm dreading. Well, hey, but, but 
Yeah. So before we cut this off, I have to know, and I know that, you know, you, the format's changed, but what have you guys been playing lately? I just have to know. Oh, wow. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. Sure. 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 Um, I Monster been, Hunter Rise. Yeah. Uh, uh, Disco Elysium, the final cut with all new voiceover. Um, and I just replayed the Kingdom Hearts final mix and I beat Kingdom Hearts one on stream with uh, and it was, it was an incredible journey. Once again, um, I'm I'm playing Monster Hunter Rise. I am probably an hour or two away from finally beating the seventh out of nine uh, Legend of Heroes games, which it means I'll have beaten all the ones that are in English. Um, so that's a big JRPG win for me. Uh, and then uh, I'll probably just play Monster Hunter Rise a bunch more until one of the new Trails of uh, Legend of Heroes games gets translated. Um, cause that's like my main deal right now. I'm so close. I'm so close to being seven out of nine done. And I feel like as a completionist, I feel really great about that. Except the two that are not translated. Have you been playing anything good? Yeah, not, I think so. The last game that I played was so I tried to get into Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla because one of my friends wrote on it, and uh, you know nothing against him. I just I just couldn't get into. It. I don't know if you guys tried to play that, but I just couldn't get very far into it. Yeah. I lost interest pretty quickly. I liked riding around a boat with my boys. Doing it's raids. tough because like like halfway yeah. through the game, it has Red Dead Redemption Two problems where like the real plot and like a lot of endearing characters really don't appear to like after the midpoint of the game, uh, and it's just too bloated for like a lot of people to like spend the time to get there. Um, but uh, there there's a lot of cool shit. Yeah. Mm. If you need a JRPG but, though, yeah. check out Trails in the Sky or Trails of Cold Steel. Legend of Heroes, Trails of Cold well, Steel. Well, I just heard this morning about the Hironobu Sakaguchi's new uh, Apple Play RPG. Yes. yes, from one of the Final Fantasy uh, designers. Um, it's and, like and, little and, diorama pieces. It looks really yeah. interesting. And Umatsu, the OG Final Fantasy composer, did the music for it. Problem is, I have no idea what the fuck Apple Play is. Yeah, I really what don't. What is it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's part of the, the mystery? You have to like uncover yeah. it. Yeah. The game begins now, folks. Yeah. Other than that, the most joy I've derived from a video game lately is so, you know, I've been hanging out with a childhood friend in Houston and uh, one of my favorite things to do is just watch him get frustrated at video games. So I introduced him to Sekiro and uh, oh, <laughs> man, yeah. he gets, oh, oh, man, God. does he get tilted playing that. So I'm hoping to just get him addicted to souls so I can just like watch him rage quit a bunch of times and uh that's that's a good time for me yeah. i beat sekiro again recently what a masterpiece uh all right guys i actually do have to go yeah. i uh but right. it was great so up. lovely talking to you jared great up yeah always oh, also check out Haley on memory static and at every sound on youtube and instagram uh bye everyone peace <laughs>